to the Soul Body Horse podcast, where we dive deep into the horse-human connection. Here, we believe in the power of stories, in digging deeper, pushing further, and asking the oft-unsaid question. I'm your host, Meredith Crawford, and I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Holly Barnett. She's someone that I've wanted to bring on to the podcast since its inception, and I'm just thrilled she's joining us today. Holly is a lifeline equestrian, a multimodality certified body worker, saddle fitter, consultant, and trainer, and more recently has become a somatic breathwork facilitator. Holly, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Just to kick things off, can you break down for us and talk a little bit about what is this thread that you're chasing with these modalities? Absolutely. So I'm the kind of person who is insatiably curious. So as I look back at my journey, and uh, I've done a little bit more of that in the last couple of years, especially, I've really noticed that one thing was a question that led to learning something, which led to that becoming the way I do things differently, which led to new questions. So it's really been this journey of insane curiosity, really. When I was veterinary assistant, I started that out of some massage school, Equine massage school happened right straight out of high school. So that was like high school, then equine. I went to horse college. <laughs> and then I love that. <laughs> it was great. I was like, you tell a crazy horse girl that they can go to horse school instead of regular school. Out of like when I found out about equine massage, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a two-year program that's all about horses. So that was back then the Darcy Lane Equine Massage Registered Equine Program. So 2,200 hours, two years full-time, all in. And then part of the graduation requirement was a 200-hour internship with a veterinary practice, which instantly turned into another full-time career. So I was doing massage on the side, but working, running the office and being an assistant on the road for about four years as a veterinary assistant and office manager. And we were like working on horses together and she was a chiropractor and lameness expert. And there would be all these cases and we weren't quite sure like what the correlation is. We'd work on them and then they'd still have sore backs. And I'm like, well, the saddle goes on the back. So this is 2001 time era, just for reference. And there wasn't a lot of, I mean, there's not even a ton of information now, but back then there was like next to none. And so it was, well, is it saddles? And I went to a saddle seminar and learned about that. And I was like, wow, this is it. I need to learn this. So I did an eight month saddle fitting apprenticeship. And then I spent four years traveling North America, fitting horses and riders of all disciplines and levels. Funny, because I was a veterinary assistant, we'd be doing Coggins tests or everyone going to Florida for the winter. And I'm like, one day I'll have a job where I can go to Florida in the winter because it's kind of cold here. <laughs> um, and then so then in a couple of years time, I was you know going to Florida or California to fit saddles in the winter, which was nice. So yeah, it was one of those things that came true. And then yeah, everything is like, okay, so this saddle, then there was a saddle fit philosophies, there's a saddle, different countries fit things a little bit differently. So it was like, well, I got to learn all of those. So then I'm 30 years old. I just jump on a flight to England, rent a car, and I drive straight to like the New Med saddle pad factory. Then I'm off to Walthall. I went to a bunch of saddle different factories. I also went to the leather museum because I was like, let's find out more about that. I went to the tanneries and check those out. If I need to know something, I go learn it. For me, sometimes the information isn't easily available, but process of learning is something that really appeals to me. And then when you get to come home and apply that to your clients and help people and horses with it, I don't know a better feeling in the world than when you're like, go out, you learn, you discover, and then you bring it home and then you share. That's been the root of it, I think. Amazing. One thing I've really appreciated about your work is your understanding of the interplay between the horse's body and the saddle fit. Can mm -hmm. you speak a little bit about that? I remember 
remember distinctly when I first started looking at a horse in a saddle, even though I was an equine massage therapist and going, okay, what now? What am I looking at? How do I make this make sense? How do I put this puzzle together? The apprenticeship started in the shop, like so stitching, taking saddles apart, billets, billets for days, billets, 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 but like a lot of stitching and like that side of the saddle fitting journey. And then you get out onto the road and now you're looking at horses and riders and saddles and adjusting them. And I distinctly remember just sitting there going like, I don't know if I can do this. It's like, there's so much going on. And I've always been amazed because some people have a different approach and they were, it was very like a much more superficial look like, oh yeah, that looks good enough or whatever. Whereas I look at things in a complex layered system. So I'm like, and then it moves and then it, well, the back looks like this when it walks, but then when it trots, standing, was it in a stall all day or was it in the field before I got there? If I measure it before I put it on a lunge line, how much blood flows into those muscles? How much does the back change when you put a rider's weight on it? So I have all these questions nonstop going on in my brain while I'm doing the fitting. <laughs> and then the more I learned, the more questions I would ask during each fitting, because I was like, am I just getting old? I'm like, no, I think I'm actually just processing so many more ideas as I'm out of fitting. So I can remember the first time just going, I'm not sure what I'm looking at to now I walk in and I'm just like, scapula, is it orientated correctly on the body? And I started measuring wither bones, the width of the top of the wither bones to put that in relationship to the shape of the pommel. And so I just kind of create all of these questions and scenarios to explore. And I come to every saddle fitting with a lot of experience, but I always come ready to learn something new. And I think that's been one of the reasons I've gotten to where I've gotten with my ability to fit saddles. So I just take something away from every single one. And it sounds cliche, but I'm like, no, I really do. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, neat. <laughs> so with the saddle being the interface between the horse and rider, how do you see the horse and rider dynamic or the horse human dynamic change via the saddle fit? I mean, the simplistic answer is it should get better. What is the more nuanced answer to that? With the saddle being kind of what brings yeah, the horse and rider together, totally. a good saddle fit should enhance the relationship, or at least one would think. In what ways do you see that relationship change or evolve? I guess I can answer that from a couple different ways, like how I interpret that from like a physics standpoint, your saddle's making or breaking every stride of every ride. So it's either hindering or helping, but you want it to be neutral, but neutral would be nothing on the body technically in a sense. So it's there to support and facilitate the performance that we ask for our horses. And so if it any areas that are not working, hindering, like whether it has too much pressure, it's out of balance, it's placing the rider too far out of the center of gravity and like all those relationships. There's a lot of physics going on. That bottom saddle, bottom half of that saddle needs to be totally designed and tooled to support and fit the horse. And the top of the saddle needs to be whatever the rider needs. So it's got one item that needs to do two massive jobs and there's different areas like is the flap right is the width between the rider's thigh right where is the seat bone lining up with the seams like there's all these little tiny minute details that you know but if a rider has any sort of discomfort anywhere they're going to adjust themselves just a little bit to get more comfortable or feel more balanced but then if it's not natural or neutral then you've created a little bit of tension in your body in order to accommodate that new position or someone says oh that's it hold it right there well, what do you do when you hold so all of these things come into play. And so we have this range of freedom of movement versus tension patterns. A good fit allows good range of motion and you being able to ride and your horse being able to move without tension. Anytime the saddle's less than ideal, so there is no such thing as good enough because you're basically the pendulum swinging between allowing excellent performance and comfort to tension and dysfunction. 
So it's really the pendulum that makes sense. It does. And so when you start to see riders compensate or develop tension patterns within their body, what else do you notice going on in the horse's body and just in their overall demeanor? So you can really see it in their their body, the way they use their muscles, the way the muscles fire, the facial expressions. One thing anyone listening can experiment with is just be on your horse and even do this at a walk and just get a cadence of your walk and kind of get connected to that. And then just tighten your lower back, arch your back a bit and feel what happens to your horse underneath you. That will take care of that question because your horse responds to those tensions in your body so much. And I've had that, I've taught a lot of people that as like something to play with. For me, you can just see the horse completely change its gait when your body gets tight. Okay, I'm so going to try that. Yes, let me know how it goes. I'd be so curious. (laughs) Now, when you were talking about like the saddle doing one thing for the horse and another thing for the rider and having those two shadows. For some reason, I immediately thought of the diaphragm psoas connection. Again, that muscle needing to do one thing for the lungs and another thing for the pelvic region. Yeah, there's so much responsibility on these items or structures. And when we are not in the way and when everything's working cohesively and coherently, there's this beautiful expression of movement and energy can flow. And it's just what is possible between horse and rider can be so beautiful, but the saddle can either help that or steal it. How do you see or do you see breath work mixing into battle? I never imagined that that is where I would be right now or I would end up. But the breath work, like we all have internal uh, memory. We have internal emotional patterns. Like life is going to deal some traumas along the way. So most of us have had something that was uncomfortable or unfortunate or traumatic in our lifetime. And so we have a 5% consciousness and a 95% subconsciousness. There was a description I heard once where it was like, you have an elephant walking one direction and then that's your subconscious. And then there's an ant on its back walking the other direction. That's your conscious. Like I'm doing this, but your subconscious like, yeah, sure. So it's designed to like protect and do and run these like systems and programs. And breathwork is one of those access points. So people that I've worked with so far, they really notice how much looser they feel in their body. Like even just sitting here right now, if you just take a really slow breath in and then just kind of let it out, like it'll change your internal body tension. So breathwork takes that to another level, but you have so much ability to affect your internal tension of your body. And now we know our horses are sort of mirroring that and picking up on it. So I think it's something that I'm looking forward to exploring and I'll probably get into some sort of my own personal idea of research around it, because I think it can be a really powerful tool that we haven't really played with a whole lot yet. I know some people are starting to talk about it a bit more. You're trained in somatic breath work, mm-hmm. but how did mm-hmm. you end up with somatic breath work instead of one of the other forms? It was a little bit of it spoke to me because I have taken other breath work, personally experienced it, and I really enjoyed one called Breath Wave. And I, I actually had initially intended to go in that direction. And I still may because it's a completely other end of the spectrum. So somatic is much more intense and it can be too much for some people. It's not for everyone because of how intense it can get. Whereas the breath wave is really into your own rhythm. And so it's kind of like two ends of the spectrum. Um, The truth is I could do the somatic here, but it was also, it just spoke to me when I wasn't expecting it to. I was like, wow, this is really powerful stuff. And I felt connected to the instructor that was offering it. And that was a big deal for me as well. Yeah, I just think the idea of 
it's not that it's a hack or a shortcut, but it's not always easy to access these parts of yourself. And for me, because I have two horses that are non-riding horses, uh, one senior and one has some undisclosed issues, I'm like, okay, how do I show up better for my horses? And so this has been part of my personal journey. It's blown me away how much is possible the horse-human connection when I added some coherence work and I spent the last summer just breathing around my horses um, <laughs> but uh, and just playing with it a bit and they'll notice like they'll notice across the field when you're doing stuff like it's really neat so to so the equestrian experience we have like the riding and you know all the things that go into it but we could add breath work while we're grooming them the way we approach our horses could be a little bit more connected and these are just tools that I don't think are talked about a lot yet but as I've uncovered and played with them and found so much value in myself, then I'm like, well, I guess I'm doing that as well now. HeartMath is that institute, it's close to me in the mm-hmm. Bay Area, that has done the coherence work and right. research and the mem or images going around about the size of the horse's heart and interject field yes. compared to the human one, that's HeartMath. How has that interacted with your breath work? and? So my horse, George, when I first met him before he even became like I became his person I would notice that when we would be hanging out sometimes I would feel this like buzzy feeling around my chest and I had no idea about what I was still working nine days a week nine hours a day like I was barely present in my own body but I would go out for a walk around the field and he would come up and over the fence and he would actually like keep the other horses away and we would just have a moment and I was like well this is nice and I didn't even have him yet I was starting to get to the point where I'm like oh he's probably coming into my life and I would just feel something. Fast forward, I now uh, have taken some of the heart math and shared that with other people. And they're having that same experience. So I've been able to have someone come to the farm, even if they're not a horse person, and step into that heart-centered breathing. And then it's like all of a sudden it kicks on. You can feel that heart resonance. And so that's the part where I'm like, we could introduce that into the grooming session with your horse or you don't have to, it's not like you have to add on it's something else you have to do. It's part of how you do things. They love it. And I was teaching another client a couple of weeks ago now. And as I was explaining it, it was like the horses are like, uh-huh. And he was just really in, like they really tap into it. Some of them really tap into it super quickly. And so it makes it really rewarding when you get like an instant response to it. The more connection we have with our horses and we can we have these thousand pound best friends with this heart healing nervous system regulating resonance coming out of them that we're not always aware of yet so I just feel really called to talk more about that and keep on exploring it myself incredible I'm a big fan of biofeedback devices and I guess that's kind of the science geeky side of me so I've had a lot of fun with that heart math inner balance trainer yes I have one of those as well yeah (laughs) and taking it into different situations or thinking different thoughts while I'm hooked up to the Mm -hmm. device to see Mm how it's affecting my levels of coherence. Yes. Yes. I had a friend I introduced it to not long ago and and she's a very like health oriented friend, like super athletic, all the things and she's holding it and it's like incoherence and yep, yep, yep. Not like she's like, okay, well, whatever, like really easily incoherence. And then something happens in the background that's the noise. And then like something else, there's a couple of people come in or whatever. And all of a sudden it's like red and she, you can tell it bugged her that she was out of coherence. And then she was like, (laughs) wait a minute. And I was like, so these are the things that are throwing you out of coherence. But the more you practice coherence, the more resilient you become to getting knocked out of coherence. And so she ordered one of those spots. She's like, I need that. I got no, <laughs> but it was just so interesting to have a visual representation of, of it. And yeah, I, um, 
had to do a lot of health home practices for about a year last year. And so sometimes you're sitting still, whatever. And so that's when I started really bringing the heart coherence training. And then I was bringing it out to the paddock and sitting out there and doing it every day out there. Where would you love to see the horse-human relationship go? Like, what do you envision the horse-human relationship of the future being? That's a big, exciting question. Um, I don't even think I've spoken all the way about it yet. Uh, so I really believe oh. that horses, they're like the unsung heroes of human evolution in a lot of ways. Like they were the reasons we could at first travel across continents. They were the reason that we could build infrastructure and mine coals. And they just have done so much. They won wars. Like they've done everything to like, future to evolve humanity and then they became this like amazing luxury like it's luxury even if we're in different levels of luxury having one they're very adaptable but now I feel like they play a role in human the evolution of human consciousness and self-connection and the way that they can reflect where you're at so if I go out to the horses like oh I'm having a bad day and I'm like I need someone to like hold me they're like see ya take that mess out of here but if I go out there and I'm like owning that I just am where I am don't need anything from you but I'm just being here in my rawest form, they just come in and hold space for you and hold like it's so it's been so helpful for me to learn how to regulate my own emotions by how they reflect back to me and then picking up on that. And I just feel like so many people have horses and they love them and the horses love them back and there's great relationships. But I think there's another level that is able to come of it with the the nervous system regulation. And not that we're putting it on horses for them to do it for us, but we're going to kind of co-create this deeper connection by how we show up. I love that. And for our listeners today, if you'd like to learn more about working with Holly Barnett, today's guest, you can visit her website at augustequine.com. That's A-U-G-U-S-T-E-Q-U-I-N-E.com or find her on Instagram And her handle is at Equestrian Consultant. For more information about our host, Meredith Crawford, and her exploration of the bounds of the horse-human relationship, visit the Relevate Project at patreon.com slash relevate. And that is spelled P-A-T-E-R-O-N dot C-O-M slash R-E-L-E-V-A-T-E. Thanks for listening. (music) 